just come to you this morning, and God, we're so thankful that we serve the God of Calvary who loved us so much that you chose to give your own son for us. And God, for that, we're so thankful. I pray this morning that as we hear your word, as we hear the message spoken, God, that, that the message of the cross would just ring through. And God, that you speak to our hearts. And God, that no one would leave this place today, God, without knowing they are loved by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, we love you so much. We give this service to you. Pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning. We love you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Just want to bring a quick word to you uh, from the missions team on behalf of uh, the work that we do to try to help you to keep mission projects in front of your eyes and your, your attention. Uh, it goes without saying that our attention has been drawn to uh, South Texas, Southeast Texas these last days with Hurricane Harvey, the unprecedented uh, destruction uh, that it has left in its, in its wake. Uh, even today, there is still so much that is unknown as far as what it's going to take to help that area of our state um, come back to a sense of normalcy. Um, first responders are still on the scene. Um, people in positions of uh, responsibility are still doing their assessments about what needs to be done, what, what can take place. And that's sort of the dilemma that we find ourselves in, churches like ourselves all around. Uh, our hearts are touched. We want to do something right now. And so we have to face up to, well, what can we do right now? But actually, the really tough work is yet to come, and that's that work of recovery um, as those uh, communities and lives and families, churches, businesses, uh, try to get themselves back to uh, a degree of life that they knew before Harvey hit. So what we want to do right now is let you know that our mission team is um, listening, thinking, praying, getting information to present to us as a church body for how we as a church can respond uh, at the appropriate time. Now, for you as an individual, however, uh, there you can respond right now. And so what I would like to suggest is uh, really a couple of things. One is pray like you've never prayed before. Pray for not only the, the unknown peoples, maybe even peoples that you know, your family members and friends in those areas, but just pray for God's Spirit uh, to be real uh, in a way like never before. Frequently it's, it's in disasters like this that people's minds and hearts are drawn to God uh, in a way that never before. So pray fervently, pray focused, uh, if you want to give financially, one of the best things that you can do is to give through some very well-respected, very well-known, uh, very well-vetted um, and uh, reliable um, outlets for financial support. Uh, two of them that come to mind for me personally is the Red Cross. You can always depend on that. And I would like to suggest for us as Baptists to look at the Texas Baptist men. Many of you have known about their ministry for years and years. Um, and if you haven't been on uh, any of the Facebook pages and posts <clears throat> that talk about their ministry that's going on right now, there are daily updates. It's just an incredible thing. All the meals that they're serving, all the ways they're touching people's lives takes, takes finances. And so that's one way that you can give immediately to two organizations. Now, that's not the only two. You probably have some of your own knowledge as well. Um, but uh, do your research as you think about giving financially so that um, you, as best as you can tell, it's going, your finances are going to places where the finances will be put to immediate use and good use. 
For the long term, we need to pray as a church body. Um, as you look at the coast and think from Corpus Christi all the way up to Beaumont, Port Arthur, um, the needs are beyond uh, description. Uh, we just don't even know the needs right now. And so the question for us is, what can we as a body do? So just pray for God's spirit, for God's direction to be obvious to, to us as a body so that we can take on projects where we can join with others hands-on to go down and to help rebuild some of these communities. Um, mission team and our church staff, uh, even yourselves, you'll have a lot of different information coming your way. And our suggestion is that you would funnel it through the church, uh, either through, um, uh, Kenny, I'm going to throw your name in there to your email list, but uh, email me. Uh, our mission team will look and pray together. And I just sincerely believe that um, as the time becomes appropriate, when recovery really becomes the thing to do, that it'll be obvious to us as a church, here's where we can invest our lives to help people rebuild. And so with that being said, let me just take the opportunity to say a quick prayer for us as a church, and then I'll turn the service back over to Lee. Father, it is absolutely heartbreaking and unimaginable as we see, as we saw the story unfolding and as we see the aftermath um, that is even now without words to describe uh, the hurt, the pain, the loss, the confusion, the lostness that people are experiencing. And yet our hearts are warmed too as we see the outpouring uh, from Texans, non-Texans, uh, people all over uh, who are giving of their time and their resources uh, to help people who need help so very badly. My prayer today, Father, for us as individual believers and as a corporate body of believers is that you will show us where you want us to come and walk alongside people in their time of need to help them rebuild their lives. And as we walk with them and rebuild their lives, help us to uh, always remember to say that we're doing this in the name of Christ because even when homes are rebuilt, lives need to be rebuilt uh, and for those who don't know Christ as Savior, this is an opportunity for us just to say we're doing this because of the love of Christ. Thank you for the moment for us to think about this, and we look forward to seeing how you'll respond. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. we got to really pray for what's going on. I'm excited about what I hear happening in southeast Texas. I talked to a good friend of mine that lives down there. And he's one of the fortunate ones, didn't lose his house, but uh, he's been out trying to help all everyone else that has. And he said, you know, it's really, it's really a remarkable thing. People who probably are against each other uh, because of this crisis have come together to help each other. And, and so um, I guess the old saying, we're seeing the worst of times and the best of times simultaneously. And so keep on praying. The Lord will do what he wants to do through that horrible thing. I just want to appreciate our elders and our church family for the opportunity you gave me the last couple of weeks to go to Uganda and, and, and experience uh, my daughter's ministry there and just a time of, uh, for me to pray and to uh, have some alone time. I was able to get away for three days and just did exactly that, and it was a beautiful time. And uh, uh, it was a special, special couple of weeks to see the Lord's work through my daughter. I mean, she's a state champion. Whew. Unbelievable what's going on. Um, and I'm just glad that whatever part I played in that through the years, I'm, I was thankful, I was humbled. Um, I never thought I did much good as a dad. 
you know. I thought Susan was remarkable, but for me, well, I, I, was, I was too inconsistent. I didn't know what I was doing, but, but I've, I've, I've raised a couple warriors, and that's one of the thoughts that impacted me, and, and one in the Marine Corps, of course, and, but one in the kingdom of God that is, is just, uh, she walks on water in Uganda, never seen it like it. And so um, I'm thankful for that opportunity. Uh, very quickly, time, I see the time, we're about done. Um, now, in Uganda, you worship for three hours, so they wouldn't be worried about that. First of all, they wouldn't have a clock on the wall, and, <laughs> and they wouldn't have lights either, just a few light bulbs coming down. They'd be at it for three hours, which was a wonderful time. Uh, but, but we're not geared that way. Um, there's a great problem with men, probably all over Africa, I suppose, maybe not everywhere, but a great problem with men, and it's painful to see, a man marries a woman when he's a young man. He has as many kids with her as he can, and when he's tired of her, he gets rid of her. And she doesn't have any help from his family. She's not, she has no, uh, no opening for any property they might have, for any farm they might have, for any business they might have. She's just kind of gone, and he marries another one, and he has as many kids as he can with her until she's too old. And then he finds him another one, and, and the African man, if he's if, in their way of thinking, you know, if he can get three or four wives and 15 kids throughout his life, he's done well as a man. That's not biblical. That's not Christianity. But that is plaguing Africa. And you have a real economic problem because of that. And the women take their kids to Kampala in Uganda. And there's 11 million people in Kampala. And those women live in what we call slums, ghettos, trying to raise their families. And my daughter is in Namasuba. She has 20 employees, 19 women and one man now. And they're making these products. And through one of the ladies comment to me, your daughter is helping us fight poverty. We're tired of poverty and we want out. And she's provided jobs for us. Hallelujah. Sinner's Welcome Part 4. I appreciate Mark preaching for me while I was gone. I have much to say about Africa, but we'll, we'll take time down the road. I won't pull it all out now and keep you till 1.30. I was in church till 1.30 last week. You'll probably hear that a few times. I loved it. When it was over, I wanted more. Get on back up there. Let's get on with it. But they, they, they were done. All right. One of the problems that happens in Christianity, in your Christian walk, is if we're not careful, if we don't guard against it, if we don't do the right things and have the right spirit about us, we become in a situation that it's us against them. It's us against unbelievers. It's us against people that don't have our values. It becomes us against them, and it becomes those of us who've been born again against those who are sinners. And it really is a crazy thing that happens because there's never been an us against them thought in the Scripture. 
Matter of fact, Jesus said in the parable of the wheat and tares, they're going to grow up together, the wheat and the tares. Jesus plants the seed and the wheat comes up. Satan comes along and plants the tares. He said, don't uproot those tares. Don't uproot those weeds. Let them grow together and let me handle that. But if we're not careful, we get into a mindset that it's us against them. It's in the body of Christ, it's in the church, it's in the church house, it's at the school, it's at the businesses, it's in the communities. It becomes us against them. It, it turns into politics. It turns into what we believe. It turns into values. It turns into us becoming isolationist people. And we say, we're going to protect our kids, we're going to protect our beliefs, and we're just going to surround ourselves with people that have the same kind of values as we do, and, and that's not the mission that Jesus has given us. We are not to isolate ourselves from other people. We are to be on the Great Commission. And that Great Commission that we have is not by force, it's not through agendas, it's not through... Um, uh, rule making, it's through love. And we've got to catch ourselves and, and guard ourselves against an us against them mindset. And so ask yourselves the questions, have you developed through the years of your Christian walk, Christian life, an us against them mentality? Ephesians chapter two, just a few things to consider today. The first thing to guard ourselves against this is remember who we were. Now, in the Christian life, sometimes we forget who we were. We, became, we, we start be, being sanctified. We start growing. We start receiving spiritual information. We start developing morality. Character develops. We start growing in the Christian life. And if we're not careful sometime along the way, we'll transition from living a life of grace to living a life of rules. And we cross the line and we get out of balance. But Paul says to the church in Ephesus, look at verse 1. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Once you were, that's what he says here. And so it really is foolish for us to say we are now separated. We are now, you know, us against them because we were once them. And so there can't be any us against them. Once you were dead because of your disobedience, you many sins. Verse two says you used to live in sin. Just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is a spirit of work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Then in verse 3, he says, all of us used to live that way. He's speaking to all of us. Once you were dead, you used to live in sin. You used to obey the things of the devil. All of us used to live that way. And so what Paul is saying to us here is, remember, don't forget who you were. You were lost. You were dead in sin. You were not spiritually alive. You were following the desires and the inclinations of your own sinful nature. That's who we were. And he finishes in verse 3, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. And so we can't forget that. 
We can't walk away from that. We were lost before Christ. We were spiritually dead. We were disobedient in our many sins. We lived like the rest of the world. We obeyed the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world, and we followed the inclinations and the passionate desires of our flesh. That's who we were without Christ. And so we have got to come to this topic of sinner's welcome, us against them, with the understanding we used to be just like everyone else. And so we don't have the right, we don't have the privilege to put ourselves on a pedestal and look down at anyone. And we need to understand that. We can't move forward with judgment because we don't have the right to judge. We can't be judgmental people because we do not have the prerequisites for that. We don't have it. We haven't earned any right to judge anyone. And so we need to quickly remove ourselves from any positions of judgment. It can't be us against them because we were just like them. And the only reason we're not like them now is what God has done for us. And that's the next verse of Scripture. Verse 4, but God is so rich in mercy. Man, that, that right there is a piece of information. But God. We were following the past desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, we were the target of the very anger of God. That's what the Scripture says. We were subject to God's anger. We were going to be completely judged by Him before Jesus, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much. Wow. Now, we can't be us against them because God loves us so much. And without God, we have zero hope. None. It says in verse 5 that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. And then it says, it is only by God's grace that you've been saved. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. Remember the parable of Matthew 18? Peter goes up to Jesus, and Jesus says, let me ask you something. How many times do I got to forgive people? Seven times? And Jesus responded to him and said, oh, no, not seven times. What did he say? Seven times 70. Now, he says that in a way that this is what he's actually saying to us in that regard. He's saying to us, listen up, you can't count it. You can't say seven times 70, what is that, 490, isn't it? Something like that. When you get to 491, you're done. Pull out the sword, pull out the machete, let them have it, cut their legs off. And then he goes on to tell a parable. There was a, a, a man, an owner, a manager, a lord, a king, however you want to label him, he was a master. And he had a servant that owed him millions of dollars. He owed him millions of dollars. 
and he is going to settle all the accounts. And he says to the guy that owes him millions of dollars, you got to square up here, buddy. You got to come, you got to give up, you got to spend your money. You got to, you got to pay me back right now or you're, you're situated, you're done. You're going to be locked up. You're going to be punished. You're going to be in a bad way. And the man fell to his knees and he begged the master and he said, please, please forgive me. Don't do this to me. I can't pay it. I can't pay that back. Please, will you, will you just give me some, you know, give me some, some opportunity here. Don't, don't take it right now from me. And the man, the master had pity on him and he cleared his debt. And then that man that owed a million plus that couldn't pay it, he leaves the master's presence. He goes out in the street and he finds someone that owes him a few thousand dollars. And he says, where's my money? And the guy says, same thing. He says, I can't repay you. I don't have it. And he will not forgive the one that owed him a few thousand dollars. Now, think about it. He had just been forgiven of owing a debt that he couldn't pay, owing millions of dollars. And then immediately he goes out there, and he's not willing to forgive someone that owes him a few thousand dollars. Isn't that the way we are? Isn't that the way we are? Isn't that our nature? We've been forgiven of all our sin. We've been forgiven of a debt that we cannot repay. The debt of our sin. And yet, we will not forgive someone else. We hold other people's sin against them. And we have an us-against-them mentality. We forget grace. We forget grace. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. And so the lesson for us today is this, is, is not one of us who've been saved has the right to point a finger at other people. At other people. Because we were just like them. Verse 6 says, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward others, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. So when the opportunity comes, for you to demonstrate what grace is, forgiveness, second chances, love covering a multitude of sins. Celebrate, put your hands together, realize that you have an opportunity to be an example of Jesus in the grace, in the forgiveness, in the mercy, in the love covering a multitude of sins. And when we do that, we reflect the love, the greatness, 
just the, the, the majestic nature of God. And so we are to be people that are not people of us against them, but people that are living by grace, understanding grace, and keeping in mind that we used to be just like those that we're pointing our finger at, and we've got to take that back, and we've got to get alongside of people, and we've got to help them see the wonderful grace of God. Where would we be without the grace of God? Nowhere. No hope. No possibility. And so there you have it. We don't have a right to ever come to a place that it's us against them. Now, in helping people with sin, with problems, with difficulties, we do it through love. We do it through coming alongside of them and letting them see that we are examples of his kindness and grace. That's our assignment. Now, moving along a little bit, verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. So here's another thing to chew on a little bit here today. You can't take credit for salvation. It's our nature to think we did it. What makes you right with God? I'm a good person. Nope, doesn't make you right with God. What are you going to say to the Lord one day when you stand before the great throne of God in judgment? Look how much I did for you. Nope. Nope. That's not going to be, that's not going to help you at all. We cannot take credit for the gift of salvation. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it. And so we got to keep in mind we were just like them. we got to keep in mind God is rich in mercy, and we are examples of his grace. And we have to keep in mind to keep ourselves from working into a spirit and attitude of us against them. We cannot rejoice in our efforts that helped us to have the reward of salvation. Can't do it. Not anyone can do it. You cannot boast about your salvation that you have achieved it through some effort of, your, of being a good person, of working hard, of being a church person, being religious. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Now, in practicing a life of grace, a life of hope for others, a life of long-suffering with people, of loving people beyond ourselves of patience with people, of gentleness with people, is keep in mind what God's at work doing all around us. For we are God's masterpiece. For we are God's masterpiece. What is the masterpiece? He takes a broken, helpless, hopeless sinner. He saves him. He cleans him, he supports him, he guides him, he creates a new thing in him, and he puts him out there for all to see of his great work. And that's what God desired to do. That's what God is at work doing. God is at work creating masterpieces all around us. Now, last week I'm teaching Ephesians. Ephesians. 
to the group here in this passage. And, we're, and, and they're all sitting on the floor, but they brought me a chair from the house because I'm the big dog and that's just the way it works. <laughs> and we're in, a eight, we're in a 10 by 10 room. And they've been in that room all day long working and it's time to have the Bible study. And here we go. And I'm walking them through that and we've got interpretation going on. I'm speaking in English and they're not understanding my English. And then they're translating in Ugandan and we got it going on. And, and when I get to this verse of scripture, for we are God's masterpiece, man, it just like, boom, a light bulb went on. The Holy Spirit said, do you see what you're seeing? Do you see what's going on here? Look at the masterpiece I'm creating. And, and I see all these ladies sitting around the wall, and in the middle of the room are all these beads. You're wondering why I wore a necklace today. I don't normally wear necklaces, especially ladies' necklaces. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure this is the only time I've ever wore a lady's necklace, and I can assure you it's the only time I probably do it, probably ever do it. And I start looking at these necklaces, and here they are. Now, can't take it off my sitting there. You can see it. See how uncomfortable I am in this necklace. <laughs> these beads were once paper. They were once paper. I watched the, the young lady or the, the, the lady do it. She takes a long sheet of paper, colored paper. And she sits there, and she has this long thing that I, it's kind of like a bobby pin or something. And somehow or another, she puts that long strip of paper in that, and she sits on the ground, and she twirls it, and she makes it into a, a round roll. And then she takes the end of it when she's got a bottle cap, just like a regular bottle cap. She has it on the ground, and in that bottle cap, she's got glue. And she puts the end of the paper in the glue, and she glues it together. And then she takes it with her hands and she forms the perfect little bead. And then she takes the bead and she puts it in some kind of lacquer or something and then puts it out to dry. And what you have are beautiful little strong beads. And then the ladies in the room, they take the beads and they've got them all around. They've got bowls out there, beads here, different kinds of beads. They've got the little bitty beads, got these beads. And they sit there all day long and they put these necklaces and bracelets and earrings and all those products together. And God was just showing me, look at the masterpiece at work. Just like these ladies are making those beautiful necklaces that ladies love to wear, I'm making masterpieces out of these ladies and you. The masterpiece is loving more, growing in joy, growing in kindness, growing in gentleness, growing in forgiveness, growing in grace, becoming his masterpiece for all the world to see how wonderful God is. God is. And one day we're sitting there, and they are calling Amy Krubo. 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 And it comes out, it means the gift. 
They call my daughter the gift. They call me Ada Karubu, which means dad of the gift. And through the course of the week, if I heard it once, I heard it ten times from each lady. A story like this. We were starving. We had no place to live. I couldn't put my kids in school. I couldn't take care of my family. One lady said she would find some potatoes and she would walk door to door with those potatoes trying to sell them. They all had some kind of job, something to do, trying to make a living and, and hungry and starving. And each one of them said, the Holy Spirit, Almighty God, putting Karubo in their life and for that thing to happen has been a gift from God to them. Man, now, when your daughter is the gift, it's a humbling, humbling thing. Now, what we need to, what I want you to hear, and the reason why I'm wearing this necklace, I want you to remember this. We need to see every person we see, we're involved with, we work with, we go to school with, regardless of who they are and what they're like, and regardless of how deep in sin they are, they are a potential masterpiece for God. Don't get in the way of what God wants to do. Be who you're supposed to be so they can become God's masterpiece. On the plane, I watched Hacksaw Ridge. Hadn't seen that. Oh, man. Whew. What a story about that guy. And, of course, at the very end, you can't help but be gripped with him rescuing all those men and him saying, Lord, help me to get one more. Help me to get one more. Now, that hurricane down in Houston and in, 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 uh, Beaumont and all those places, Port Arthur, with that flooding that's hit, you, you've seen that in action. People that have a boat went out there in their boat, bass boat, fishing boat, whatever it is, ski boat, and started going where they could go. What are they doing? They're rescuing people. And, and what do you hear from those people that have been rescuing people? You hear concern. You hear tired, weariness, of course. But, but you're hearing some joy. Because I've heard two or three different interviews where the, where the guy says, we were able to rescue three today. We were able to rescue five today. We were able to rescue a, a lady that, that, had, that was just left, and, and she's in severe physical need. Perhaps she's elderly. And, and they just had tremendous joy of rescuing people. It can't be us against them because we're going to rescue people. We can't have that mindset that we are God's people, we are the chosen, we are the saved, we are the forgiven, and, and we're going to just kind of do our thing, and we're going to be isolated from the people that we might label as bad. Now, how horrible it would have been 
that if those men in those boats, or the ladies are out there in those boats, going down those, those streets trying to rescue people, and a guy said, I'm only rescuing the white people. I'm only going to rescue the educated. I'm not going to rescue any drug dealers. I'm not going to rescue anyone that's, that's, that drinks too much. I'm not going to rescue anyone that I don't see has the, the, has the, 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 the right or the, uh, the stuff in them that is worthy of me rescuing them. And that really is the heart of when God's people have an us against them mindset. We were once dead, lost, controlled by Satan in sin. We were once led by the inclinations to fulfill our sinful pleasures. But God, who is rich in mercy, gave us Jesus. For by grace we are saved. There's nothing that any of us has done that gives us the right to boast about our salvation. And he wraps it up with that beautiful bow. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I pray his word will soak in. And this week, you will be an unfettered liver of grace out there. Ushers, come forward. Lord, we're thankful for this day. Help us, Lord, to be open to your word. I pray, Lord, that your spirit will work on us today and help us, God, to just be your people out there in this world, in a hurting world, in a world that desperately needs you. In Jesus' name, amen.